0: E-Card presents Back Issue Bloodbath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Patul Neal. You wanted the best, you got the best. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Patul Neal. And this week, to finish off 2022, we are looking at the best in comics. Good times to be had. There's been some great comics this year, and we're going to talk about them, but got to deal with a little business first. If you're new to our best of year in review, you might find yourself a little lost, because at no point do we say the best comic book of the year, or the best comic writer of the year, or the best comic artist of the year. Now, why is that? I'm glad you asked it's because our sister program geek card has the honor of bestowing that information to you on January the 6th, a date that we're trying to make much nicer than it was two years ago. We are going to be doing our best of the best look back at the year that is 2022 covering the best in movies, the best in television and the best in comics. Both myself and Petula will be on this show. It will be happening at 7 p.m. Eastern on realityradio101.com that day. And that's when you'll get to hear our picks for Best Comic of the Year, Best Comic Writer of the Year, and Best Comic Artist of the Year. Secondly, we're going to go through a list of various categories. These categories were not picked by me. These are categories that I stole from... The now defunct comic magazine, Wizard. Wizard, it rose so greatly in the 90s. Almost to a point that in the 2000s, it was too big for its britches. So much so, it thought they could become a convention company. And because of that, they are no more. They are owned by others, and the magazine has been long since dead. But the best comics categories live on through Back Issue Bloodbath. And so we're gonna to try to do our best to honor them as we do every year. Petula you excited? Thrilled. And listeners
1: in a Grand Holiday Tradition. I'm back on back on the sauce on recording. So I'm very excited for you guys at the end of this.
0: Yeah. There you go. There you go. Something to look forward to. Stay all the way to yeah. the end to see what state Petula's in. There you go. Yeah. Spoiler alert,
1: it's gonna be a mess. Yeah.
0: There you- so much to look forward to right there. Mm-hmm. But uh we're going to start off with a big one. This is the best hero or protagonist of the year. Who we thought was the hero or the best main character in comics in 2022. Artula, what's your pick for best hero or protagonist? This
1: is the one that I think might be on your list. Listener, I love a curmudgeon. Noir energy always makes me miss our fave pour one out for old mr darwin i put easton newburn here
0: okay is, is he yours as well he is indeed he, he is ah, my pick yeah. for best i did kind of do a caveat saying easton newburn and emily but if i was to pick one it would be easton newburn emily is of course the other main character in the newburn comic written by chip Zdarsky with art by jacob phillips
1: yeah yeah. And oh, those covers, so beautiful. Like if I didn't love the books, even I would probably love the character just because of those covers and, and those interstitial pages are gorgeous. But yeah, Newburn is the, the noir bad daddy boss that we all love to hate to love. He's two steps ahead, but getting his butt handed to him left and right. It's good times. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He's an ex crooked cop who now works for the mob as a detective. He is the detective that handles the five families in New York's problems in order to keep the peace. He works for all of the families. So in that way, there's always a third party out there who can solve a crime that affects one of the crime families without the other crime families getting involved. And it's led to some pretty interesting stories in the eight issues of its first run. And my God, Newburn is just... Everything you want, as you mentioned, curmudgeon, old, seen it all, done it all, ex-cop. And he's an ex-cop, so he's a piece of shit. But for some reason, because he works for the mob, he's our piece of shit. The
1: readers. Absolutely. Look, this is one of those books that I picked up the first one or two legit judging the book by its cover and didn't really get it in the series until we covered it, and was like my gut was right i just didn't follow through because these are great <laughs> like occasionally i'll pick really good books literally just like drive by not even reading anything about it not even double checking to see who's part of the creative team and that is definitely the case with Newburn. it it looked good and it was as good as it looked what what a great uh delivery on a promise from some beautiful covers That the inside and the story was just as good as the outside
0: oh yeah definitely it amazing Definitely check out Newborn, East Newborn. Great, great protagonist. But of course, you can't have a protagonist. Well, you can, but it would be kind of a boring story if it didn't have an antagonist or a villain. So now let's look at the best villain or antagonist of 2022, Petula. What's your pick for best villain or antagonist? Here's
1: the thing, listener. It's been a year. Uh, I put. A couple of personal grudges in here. One isn't even an actual comic book character or comic specific thing. And the other one, I, I was like, well, Andrew's going to make me actually name something. So I'll, I'll put something in there. My real villain is, uh, what Amazon did to comicsology. So. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who's read digital comics, independents who want their stuff to be discoverable, everything from, especially if you're not in the United States, any other country, your Amazon portal into searching for comics now went from being something, at least, even if you didn't want to buy from them, being able to look through the way they had the new comics set up before when it was Comicsology, the search, everything. It was just so great. And they just lit it all on fire. And... Unlike Angela Bassett's husband in that movie, comics didn't deserve that. Comics didn't do anything to deserve that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still, even as we were preparing for this and I was filling in, you know, a couple extra digital issues from things where I had the physicals. Oh, what a harrowing experience compared to previous years. We saw it years separate. But I, I'll say for a real comic villain, although I struggle with this because I love villains. They're the most fun. Again, personal beef. The villain is really cancer and it's in bloodstained teeth because the whole situation with people asking to become sips slash vampires would not be happening if so many people just didn't get cancer left and right. That's all I'm saying.
0: Okay. All right. So I'm yeah. very abstract with your choices this year.
1: Once again. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I
0: love a concept. Yeah. I love the
1: concept, much like me most nights, she is high. So <laughs> 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 and Blood Sea Teeth, if any of you haven't read it, is also a great book to read if you've had perhaps some legal enhancement for your ability to perceive things. It's at one point sort of neon. Bright colors, blood-soaked, a weird mix of, like, foreground and background. You feel a little off-kilter the whole time. And I kind of like that, especially for a vampire story, because as much as people are getting chowed down all the time, the focus isn't so much, you know, the blood on the teeth, which is often that, despite the name of the series. It's literally every other color. It's so splashed with color, you barely notice the blood. (laughs) yeah fair
0: enough fair enough yeah so
1: that's that's a series by uh christian ward and patrick reynolds
0: all right let me check yeah. it what's the what's the publisher
1: another image comic run there just like
0: go. uh newberg yeah there you go and i'm gonna mention another image comic right now when i was looking at best villain uh, this year i really wanted to look at who was the most menacing who was the most bad bad guy because there's a lot of villains that we read and as you said you know you got a thing for villains and stuff So a lot of times we read villains and we like them because they're cool or they're funny or they're, you know, interesting, but not necessarily because they're a villain. You know what I mean? And so this year I wanted to look is like, who's the most unapologetically villainous that I can pick? And I had to look at a book that we're actually going to be covering in a couple of weeks on the show. Actually, next week on the show, maybe within the next two weeks, you're going to hear this. Hey, I'm the one that's drinking. Get it together. (laughs) My pick for villain of the year is the red queen killer from that Texas blood. Oof! And the main reason why is because he is just a villain. Mm -hmm. We don't get to know his personality. We don't get to know about his childhood. We don't get to know anything. He is a serial killer with a mask. He's like a Michael Myers before they decided to screw things up and start telling more and more of his backstory. Mm -hmm. It's like he's this unknown who just comes and he kills women and sometimes men. And there's nothing stopping him until something does. And he wears this mask that makes him so unhuman, like his actions are unhuman. But the fact that he is drawn by Jacob Phillips with another Jacob Phillips drawn comic with that mask that takes away his entire humanity. That to me was like he was the scariest villain I read this year.
1: Yeah. Chills. Literally, because there was snow. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Definitely. We're, you're going to hear more about it in an upcoming episode when we cover that Texas Blood. A great book. Definitely should check it out. But of course, it's not just protagonists and antagonists, heroes and villains, the big stars. You got to have some supporting characters in there to, you know, push up and. Bring to the forefront your stars, right? And so we're picking the best supporting character in comics for this year. Petula, what's your pick?
1: Well, mine does get to do some pushing. He's a welcome house guest in She-Hulk as she crashes in uh, the extra penthouses that Van Dines just have lying around. It's Jack of Hearts. Little sweetheart, he's having some issues, some performance issues, some concerns about his general radiation levels, power levels, life levels. What's going on? Mm. And despite a a previous dust-up where he almost sucked the life out of Jen, she's like, we're cool, bro. Also, you're kind of cute, and I want to dress you up and have you around the house and take care of you, and later on, take care of you. Wink, wink. So... Their whole energy, I love it. There's so many times in comics where you have characters who have fought each other, or accidentally, or on purpose, or controlled by somebody else, and they don't really address it. Like they just sort of, you know, one or two bubbles right it away, get a little asterisks in, blah 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 blah. Note from the editor:
0: Like yeah. this is unless you're he Carol l- Danvers. Now she <laughs> really held the Avengers responsible yeah. for what happened to her. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, Multiple times the person who feel some type of way. They usually feel some type of way for a while, but the person who did the thing, they usually just like easy breezy, but Jack really does feel some type of way. He feels quite bad, but also watching him explore day-to-day life, he is very much like an alien in that, oh, I I thought I didn't, just because I didn't think I needed to eat doesn't mean food isn't delicious. Like the joy and pleasure he takes in things (laughs) before he gets to take in some more things or get taken in, is great. And She-Hulk stories already have this great mix of being sort of grounded, but then bringing in the super elements. Uh, But this sort of your hot friend crashes on the couch and things escalate. Like it has that real world element. And then it also just has on top of it. Okay. We're going to just check each other's radiation levels every day. Cause that's something we
0: do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. That's pretty good. My pick for this year is actually from another image comic. It's an image comic that kind of took me by surprise and I was really impressed by. It's from 8 Billion Genies, written by Charles Soule. And that is Will Williams, the owner of the Lampwick Bar. In 8 Million Genies, what happens is on one particular day, every person in the world is given a genie. And that genie is going to stick around until you make your one wish. You only get one. And whatever it is, they'll give it to you unless it gets actually canceled out by somebody else's wish or something like that, depending on what it is. And, of course, as soon as all the genies show up, tons of people are going to make stupid, not thinking about it, wishes. So the first thing when the genies pop up that Will Williams does is the owner of the lamp bar, he goes, I wish that any wishes that are wished outside of this bar have no effect on the bar or the people in the bar so that it's a safe haven. And so the genie goes, that's a really well thought out wish granted. And so now he has basically kept all the people in his bar, which is about, I think eight people at the time safe from whatever happens outside. And he has made preparations. He had in his basement, He has tons of supplies and anything you could need. It was almost like he was expecting this to happen. Was he expecting this to happen? You'll just have to read the book to find out. But Will Williams is quite a cool character, quite an interesting character, and probably full of humanity, I'd say.
1: That's beautiful. And when you mentioned Charles Soule, I realized I'm trash and forgot to name the people who worked on the She-Hulk. Yeah. Not Charles Soule on this one. Uh, This one has Rainbow Roll. Rose Antonio, Rick Renzi, and covers by our homie, Jen Bartel. That's why they're so yeah. pretty. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. no, I've seen those yeah. covers, definitely. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so those are our supporting characters. Now we're going to move into the best single panel in a comic. You know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. Artists every month get to present said pictures. And some say so much about a character or characters or situation. Without any words, you could take all the dialogue off the page. You'd still know what was going on. And, you know, and sometimes you're just like, I don't care what's going on. Look how awesome that art is. So, Fatula, what's your pick for best single panel in a comic in 2022?
1: I pick something uncharacteristically sweet for me. Normally, there's violence or gore or naughty bits. This panel is literally a single panel. It's not even a full splash. And it's a very sweet moment. In a hospital, MJ is visiting Peter. And it's in the Amazing Fantasy 1000 where there's a... It's a murderer's row of writers in this book. But the writers for this story, Sinister 60th, 'Cause it's it's old ass Peter. So he's in the hospital because he gets kind of toe up from the flow up. He doesn't recover. <laughs> he gets up, he gets back up, but he needs medical help. And the writer on this one is Dan Slot, uh, Jim Chung, Pencils and Ink, J. David Ramos, Colorist, and Letters by Josephino. And this is just a a snippet in a collection of really good kind of mini spider stories this panel in this story this would be in the the jim chung day j david ramos situation and it's just this beautiful moment where people are lined up out the door to visit spider-man and she lines up just like everybody else because the hospital has a policy if he comes in they treat him with his mask on like they'll pull it up to the nose but they like nope those are the rules So he's literally there in the hospital and people are coming to visit to thank him for stuff and like, Oh, you saved my puppy. You saved this. You saved that. And she comes in and just gives him a very sweet little kiss. And it's like outline. It's gorgeous. And it's like the sweetest moment.
0: Yeah. No, that's very sweet. Definitely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so, so no acrobatic splits or people getting punched through the chest this year for me. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) But this is beautiful. And actually this whole book. Is sometimes these weird little collections, maybe there's only one or two good stories. This whole book is just it's good stuff. Like all right. there's there's a Hickman story. I don't even know if that's the best one. BCX involved, like everyone's like Michael Cho, like mm. everybody we love, people you love, take a hand in the one, two, three, four, five, eight stories that are in this little book, and they all look gorgeous. And it's a good time and hey, uh Spider Man's Real Hot right now.
0: My panel this year, I picked something that I felt like truly embodied the character that was in it. It was just sort of like, yeah, that's like, if you look at that, you know what this character is all about. Now, of course, last year, I sang the praises of Nightwing. The book has continued to be just a fantastic romp, a real hero story. Almost as good as his ass.
1: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) that's, but that's weird like, kids. It's
0: like it's proof though that you can tell a Batman type story without having the main character be a little bitch boy. That's basically what Nightwing has been doing. Of course, Tom Taylor's been doing some great writing, but one of the major things that makes this book so special is the artwork by Bruno Redondo. Bruno Redondo has such a simplistic style, but he can make you feel. He can make you feel with his art and There's a panel in Nightwing number 92. It's a double-page spread. And on the page before, there's a uh, caption box that says, when I see the powerless attacked, and then you flip over and you open up this double-page spread, and it's a beautiful cityscape with Nightwing just kind of leaping off into the distance, into the great unknown. And it says underneath it, I leap in. And looking at that double-page spread, you're like, that's fucking Dick Grayson. It's right there. Like, it captures the essence of the character with such just a beautiful shot of the hero in the city he protects.
1: Grayson's, they fly.
0: <laughs> ah, unfortunately, not all of them. <laughs> oh, ouch, <laughs> savage. As I said, a story can be told within a single panel, but then sometimes, sometimes it's so great, it doesn't happen all the time, but a story can be told in a single issue in a series. You can get a single-issue story within a comic series. And this year, of course, as always, we want to highlight the best single-issue story within a comic series. What's your pick, Petula?
1: This might have been mine last year. I don't even care. It's book two of something I'm pretty sure I had either on this or year-end or both. Wonder Woman Historia, The Amazons, okay. Okay. book two, dos, Kelly Sudakonik, Phil Himenez, Romulo Fajardo, Jean Haw, Wesley Wan. This story is it. I almost picked my panel from that one because there's a moment when Hera is just going ham about like how women will never be free of the influence of men. And you just see this montage of just all the wild ass stuff that's happened to women throughout the centuries. Mm. But while the first one, the first book that came out last year was just almost aggressively gorgeous this one while it's still pretty it it eases back it eases off a little bit on like the hard every panels just colors and visuals and you know amazons amazoning and it takes you into a smaller story of a group of women that are rescued and end up sort of founding like a seventh tribe of the amazons But within there, you get flashbacks, you get God stuff, you get vengeance, you get violence, you get caring and caretaking, you get everything. And they make you wait almost a full year between (laughs) releases. It's (laughs) worth it. It's fine. And, And a lot of titles now, I don't know if it's because they charge a little bit more. Maybe they're doing well. The whole sort of magazine format that DC is doing, like not everything deserves it. These ones do. Okay. Like they, they need to be a little bit bigger. Like I need this juicy paper stock. These ones, I am buying them all physical. Like they're just gorgeous. But on top of that, this one, the story arguably I found even more engrossing than the first one.
0: My pick is from a series, an image series that, technically doesn't have an ongoing story, but does. And this issue that I look at is a very intriguing one, self-contained story on its own, but also added to a number of issues that kind of had a little bit of a through line in this series. The series is The Silver Coin. The issue is issue 11, The Diner, written by James Tinian IV, with art, of course, by Michael Walsh, the series creator. Basically, in the story is woman who owns a diner, she comes across the coin, she makes the wish that, because the diner's kind of failing, not too many people in it, she picks up the coin and she wishes, I hope that tomorrow there's a ton of hungry people in this diner and the diner's filled with them. She kisses it, she puts it down. The next day, there's a lineup at the door. Everybody's there to eat. They're all hungry. It's what she wanted. Everything's great. But then... People can't stop eating. They keep ordering. They keep ordering. The guy in the back is just continually cooking. What happens? Somebody eats too much and dies. She doesn't know what to do. The cook says, I'll handle it. Draw your conclusions as they may. But, uh, yeah, it's a great horror issue and it's bloody and brutal. And it just shows, you know, gluttony and decadence can be a person's undoing.
1: It sounds amazing.
0: So now we get to the best one-shot or graphic novel. Of course, this could mean, you know, a simple, like, one-shot annual type thing, or it could mean, you know, a big, honkin' graphic novel with tons of pages, tons of great art. So, Batula, what's your pick for best one-shot or graphic novel this year?
1: This one's a big one, and this one's also one that I got... From one of my favorite OG comic book stores here in Toronto, The Beguiling. And it's one that's on a ton of lists. So I'm sure you'll hear about it in other places. But it literally is that good. Ducks Two Years in the Oil Sands by Kate Beaton. And this one is it's not a fun read. It's more of a feels read. And the art is very Kind of like personal zine energy, but has complexity as there are moments that are troubling or stressful for the main character. But then you also have these beautiful interstitial pages that help illustrate where she is within the oil sands. So it's sort of very simple talking heads, but then you'll turn and see like a beautiful, it's almost like topographic kind of map as she moves from job to job throughout the oil sand it gives you a real sense of the isolation and these sort of mini cities within this desolation that this industry sort of causes to the environment again this one's on a lot of lists and it should be a super canadian this is like maple syrup covered in poutine on a And dripping with Tim Hortons. Like, this is the most Canadian thing I've done ever, like, reading this book, I feel (laughs) like, almost. It's so... And it's, like, way far east and west parts of Canada. I've gone out east more than I've gone to Alberta, but it's definitely giving you a view to a type of life. If you grow up in Toronto, you're kind of spoiled. Like, you know you can probably stay here and get a job Yeah, and have a mix of people to interact with, to date, to consensually have (laughs) physical interactions with. Not so in the oil sense. The population density and concentration of men, specifically older married men working in this area where you do have some jobs for women, but it's kind of fraught. And a lot of people could read this book and sort of take different things from it based on either moving somewhere new, like just to a different country and feeling isolated. You know, women in the military, I imagine, could read this and have some either relatable or triggering moments. Young people from any small town who are forced to leave the place they love and the people they love in order to just be able to break even on their school debt. Because, you know, they did all the right things, went to school like they were told, and then, you know, got out and realized uh, I can't pay this off and stay at home because no job here will ever let me pay this off before I'm old and gray. So it has a lot of really relatable stuff that has, you don't need to have worked on the Royal Sands to have moments of like, I've been that character, I felt like that, I see them, or I see like the people around them. Like this one, I would say you want to be under a warm blanket if you live somewhere cold, like have Mm. a cup of tea, maybe even have someone to hug after. There are some tough moments or some kind of tricky moments, but it's just good storytelling. And it's the kind of storytelling that in a way, it's almost easier to digest. I think in a graphic novel, I'd read this as a book and this, you know, former English major this kind of stuff that I might have, you know, been forced to read in school in book format find it so much more enjoyable with the kind of graphic novel format
0: it's a book that's been on a lot of people's list this year so i'm not surprised that you enjoyed it now you said before in a sense not a fun read because of what the subject matter is about and what happens in it but don't worry i've got your fun read covered, people we're going very much to the fantastical here in fact we're going to the fantastic four of all places Woo! We talked about this, of course, in our Alex Ross episode, and then myself and Adam Sakura actually broke down the graphic novel itself. Fantastic Four Full Circle, which is the first ever book that Alex Ross has done everything for. He drew it. He wrote it. He did the colors. He did the inks. He did all of it. And it's also a departure from his painter format, and just going to regular pencils and inks. And it's slightly different in style and texture, but it's still that same kind of like photorealistic storytelling that you expect from Alex Ross. Now the storyline itself for a classic Fantastic Four fan it's going to be exactly what you want. It'll hit the spot because it is a very simplistic sort of sequel to This Man, This Monster, which of course is one of the biggest Lee and Kirby issues ever, where it's the thing took center stage in. This is kind of a sequel to that. It involves the negative zone, but it is just the prettiest pictures you ever did see.
1: Oh my it, God. What a riot of color in that book. It's yeah, gorgeous.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's definitely, if you're looking for something that just excites the senses, fantastic for full circle is the way to go. Definitely. So those, some great graphic novels for you to check out. Now, of course, there is the limited series. Where would comics be without the limited series? These days, it wouldn't be anywhere because there's so many limited series compared to ongoings these days. A lot of people, they don't want to take a risk on, you know, just giving somebody an ongoing, so they give them a mini. Here's the mini sort of thing. A lot of companies have gone to that format, and of course, it's led to certain books becoming ongoings. Ratula, what's your pick this year for best limited series in 2022?
1: Well, for this one, and this was one that I had on my Twitter bookmarks list early in the year that I hastily copied out just in case, you know, something happens. And it was as good as I hoped it would be. Our queen of Twitter, Gail Simone, Phil Noto, doing uh, Jessica Jones, Jessica Jones, Jessica Jones, Jessica Jones, like Betty Jessica Jones is in the variants, not variants, the variants much like the Bahamas capitalize the T and I know if you're you know anyway MCU spider whatever or even just a a Berlantiverse fan you hear variants you start to twitch somehow they made it fresh mostly I think because it's Jessica Jones so you know, you know our girl. First thing she does when she meets herself is punch the hell out of herself. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's real punch first, talk it out later kind of moment in the beginning. So meeting her, not just first, but second and third and fourth variants is, it's a little bumpy, but you also have supporting characters, including Luke looking good, giving daddy, daddy, daddy. Being a good daddy, you know, just following Jessica's orders without any question. That's my love language. It's so good. And it's beautiful art. There's a moment before she meets the first variant where she's having a face mugging, I would call it, at a cosmetic counter, and they're trying to help her pick a lipstick. And so you're getting sort of a teaser of what's coming where they talk about the different colors of lipstick and how each color can you know, make her a different version of herself because somehow makeup can uh, make us more, less something that is desired. Whatever that panel also was on my short list for like possible panels of the year. Mm. It's giving. And it's just the kind of story where there's resolution and yet a cliffhanger in every issue. It's one of those ones where I was like, I'll just wait to read unlimited. Couldn't wait like so I have a weird mix of like physical paid digital and then having read on unlimited to stay abreast of the situation Mm. and yeah I mean I had to buy the first one the first one was just gorgeous and it's probably some of the most fun I've had in a series that I know is just gonna end I think in the next issue
0: Yeah. yeah it actually the last issue came out today and well we're recording this and uh I actually want to throw out there, my pick for this year is also the variants. No! My Simone, and Phil Noto. We never do this. Yes, yes. And here's the thing that's crazy about it is that... We usually pick the same boy stuff. We never pick the same girl stuff. This is fun. (laughs) (laughs) So the part you talked about with the lipstick and everything, the thing that I really enjoy is that that moment is kind of called back to at the end in the final panels of this series in a way that you wouldn't think immediately and in fact i read the last panel of the series going okay i guess that's a fun joke and then i was like oh wait a second that calls back to the first issue and of course classic writing is always like the end hangs in the beginning so it was a nice little touch in there also of course as you said the phil noto art is just gorgeous just gorgeous work but the other thing that's interesting is that the variants in the story are just half the problem for Jessica because she's also dealing with its the anniversary of the purple man uh, messing with her shit, giving her, you know, like basically controlling her, making her his bodyguard and slave. And she finds out that the purple man left a little, uh as he called it, his birthday present in her mind that affected another person that was controlled by the Purple Man, is that it's basically like a hypnotic suggestion left in there to die. Mm -hmm. And so she's dealing with these variants at the same time that she's dealing with basically a ticking clock that's in her head. So the tension is coming twofold in this entire story. Also, it's kind of fun to hear you say that this was your favorite because the fourth issue really hinges on your favorite bad daddy. Mm -hmm. Professor Xavier makes a cameo appearance that's super important <sighs> in the story. And he's treated like the, the bestest of good guys in it, too.
1: <laughs> I prefer to forget
0: that. And the beer helps. There you go. There you go. But definitely the variants. Check it out. And Batula. I think you're going to enjoy the last issue a lot. So, of course, comics, you know, there's laughing, there's crying, there's great character work. But let's face it, folks. We're here to see people go punchy, punchy, bam, bam on each other. That's just the way it is. So, of course, we have the best slugfest in comics in 2022, the one-on-one fight, one versus the other. What's your pick, Petula? So this is a book that may have also been on last year,
1: but it continued into this year. And this fight, I'm pretty sure was in this year. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Friend of the Pod, Stephanie Williams. Vida Ayala. Laura Martin, Mark Morales, Emilia Lopez, Romulo Fajardo, again, all involved in Nubia and the Amazons. And there is a throwdown, a showdown between Nubia and Medusa. Oh, and They go hard and it's pretty, but they go hard. And <laughs> you can imagine, just think of the Medusa of it all. It really fills out a panel. There was some cute stuff, including some panels in uh, that series, Duel, that were on my short list. But this just because of the visuals and the emotion. Because like Newbies just had a promotion. But like every black woman at work, she's getting a lot of questions, having to prove herself constantly. And then Medusa pops off, as a Medusa do... And she has to go one-to-one, to, well, one-to-many, I guess, if you count her whole situation. <laughs> and she goes hard, but there's also, like, they're working out stuff. Because as we find out, we get Medusa backstory. Because what's great about a lot of the Themyscira, Wonder Woman, Yarflor, all of this new stuff, you're getting good backstory for not just the main person, but for the other people. Friday, Medusa... Just another lady who got, you know, mixed up perhaps with the wrong cats and then ended up with like head that turned people to stone. Like, mm. girl, it's not you. It's life. So we know that by the time we get to this fight and we know Nubia's old job was guarding the door. So she feels some type of way about Medusa coming through, literally. And it's a great fight because you are rooting for Nubia. but. Medusa has multiple points, pun intended.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Well, my pick is also of the DC variety. The artist has already been mentioned earlier in this episode, Bruno Redondo. He brings a lot of life to Nightwing, and he also brings one of the best Slugfests of the year, of course, written by Tom Taylor as well Nightwing versus Blockbuster in Nightwing number 96. Again, I've talked about it before that a lot of the things that happen in Nightwing's life and a lot of things that happen in Daredevil's life kind of mirror each other throughout history. You and, do have a type. <laughs> and Daredevil back in the day had a big showdown with the Kingpin where he basically had Kingpin on the ropes. He'd exposed all of his bullshit to everybody. So all that was left is that, you know, Kingpin lashed out and tried to try to attack Matt in one last final big throwdown. And that was during the fall of the Kingpin story in the early nineties. Also known as last rights. This is Nightwing's last rights moment. What happens is it's been revealed that blockbuster has been, you know, basically fucking everybody over, including his own henchmen because blockbuster also owns the prison that the henchmen go to. So he has nobody and uh, Dick Grayson has just built this place for the uh, homeless children right on the docks called Haven. And it's this big like park and there's a bunch of buildings and everything like that. So Blockbuster has gone to Haven to just destroy it. And he's burning down the library when, when Nightwing finds him and Blockbuster grabs him and knocks the mask off of Nightwing's face and finally realizes that, Oh shit. The two people I hate the most are the same guy, Dick Grayson and Nightwing. And it leads to one of the coolest fights. There's this one double-page spread that's 12 panels. It's just the two of them just going back and forth. It is just fantastic. There's like an amazing final kill shot during the fight that Nightwing just takes Blockbuster out. Blockbuster goes flying. And it's just such a beautiful picture. It's You look at that, these are the types of fights you want to see in a comic book. So definitely check it out. Some great stuff.
1: Well, honestly, the only way I could see you not having Daredevil this year, because you didn't last year in this slot, would be Nightwing. So this totally makes sense. I love this for you. There you go.
0: You love an acrobatic boy. (laughs) There you go. We all love comics. As you see here tonight, myself and Petula have been loving a lot of the same stuff this year. And there's, of course, tons of certain books that pop up on a lot of people's lists, Well, then there's some that don't. There's some new books that maybe haven't got enough issues out for people to really consider it for anything. Or maybe there's a book that's kind of going right under the radar. So we want to give tip of the hat to the best sleeper book of 2021. Tula, what's your pick?
1: I don't know if this is a sleeper sleeper, but it definitely was one that I picked up because it was pretty, as I do. And then I put it in my to be read pile and then picked it up one night. With some gummies and oh, this is fun, shiny colors. And got into the story like like so many independents. It's great you go in, you don't know what to expect. You don't even really know the premise until you're part way through, or sometimes most of the way through the first issue. This is another image comic. It's called Bolero. It's by White Kennedy and Luana Vecchio Vecchio. I'll give you the log line. Because I don't want to spoil too much, but I'll talk a little bit about it after a woman running away from a broken heart discovers a mother key into parallel universes. The rules are: the key can work on any door; the mother will only let you visit fifty-three universes. Uh, do not ask to speak to the mother, and never hop more than fifty-three times. And one of the things they leverage with the whole universe hopping is different art styles. So, at one moment you're in like a dreamy kind of saturated. It's almost like giving Jim Bartel mixed with Jody Belair. And the next minute it's chibi, it's anime, it's crispy. Next one you're in, it's very like straight ahead, clean lines, two talking heads in a diner. Also, there's tons of sex, which you know I love. This one's a little <laughs> dirty. Like, this one's <laughs> not for the kids. Uh, listener, if you are a listener that is under 16, I would say your body, your choice, but, like, you don't want to have this one laying around with your parents or <laughs> <laughs> anywhere nearby. Because our characters also, as they hop through different universes, they are not always the same gender, nor are the people that they are into. But they do go to pound town in more than one universe, if you know what I'm saying, which you know I enjoy. <laughs> but, like, it's gorgeous, and because of the premise... It quickly diverges from it being about the relationship to just being about us experiencing these different hops with our lead character. And I would say this was one, again, I picked it up because it looked cute, threw it in my pile, pulled it out, and was like, yes, once again, I love judging books by the cover because comics, they should be good if the cover's good, or at least have a chance. Yeah, yeah, this one was a delightful surprise when I dug it out and started reading. So I I think I've read the first five now. And yeah, just fun. And I haven't seen this one talked about as much. But yeah, another image one.
0: Oh, wow. Well, there you go. That's great. Now I'm going to mention a book from Dark Horse. It's my first Dark Horse book making the list. Uh, Of course, Brian Michael Bendis. He's now set up shop at Dark Horse. His time at DC is done. And there's a little book. Only two issues have come out so far, and it's called... The Ones, with art by Jacob Edgar. And basically what it's about is throughout history, there's been a person who has been called upon to do something great. They're known as the one. The one, of course, is a concept in literature forever, right? The one person that's meant to do something. What happens if like a bunch of former ones are called together by a prophecy to stop the devil who has just been born? And they go, well, he's a baby right now. We got some time, so we're not even, let's regroup in 10 years and see what happens. And then five years later, the apocalypse happens. Now the ones have to work together to stop the thing they should have stopped before. Like some of these people have powers, but some of these people were just certain things. Like there was one guy who he was a baby when he was the one. That It was like his birth stopped something. Then, But then you also have like a demon hunter and you have like a guy who's like throughout time been a warrior. Then you have someone who's been a superhero, but she gave it all up to be like a tech media mogul sort of thing. And now has to put the, the, the outfit back on and everything. And then you got them kind of being led around by this guy who he's been given by his uncle the ability to seize the prophecies and lets people know what they're supposed to do. He's brought the ones together to stop this evil and it's great because this is not it's a team of people who work individually and they are also from various different walks of life and they just so it's a like it's a big like odd couple but a group sort of thing it's fantastic and it's got all different shapes and colors and it's got all the same problems that when you put a bunch of people together and it is it is fun it is fun but it also has the tension of hey guess what everybody's gonna die so
1: Here's the thing. Everyone puts works well with others on their resume. Not everyone does. Yeah. 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 That sounds fun though. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's definitely, definitely one worth checking out. And of course, you know, we talked about some classic characters here. We talked about some new characters, but you know, they can only be one best new character. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. And this year there was a number of characters who made a first impression but Dilla, what's your pick for best new character of 2021?
1: Okay, here's the thing, listener. This was a book that I was super excited about at the beginning of the year. But for reasons, it was just like I found it a little dark once I started reading it and kind of fell off. But then I still knew that probably this book would be at least in the conversation for my year-end roundup so i went back to it and first just for lulls, i'll give you the name of my favorite character of the year their name is xavier (laughs) (laughs) and they are not the not the lead sunny who looks very much like this book was written so benedict Monk could star in the movie of this but they are one of the Other characters in a new book that had a lot of buzz, uh, Righteous Thirst for Vengeance by Rick Remender and Andre Lima Arojo. And it's a character that, you know, they're not doing much for most of the book. And I did fall off it. The pacing is deliberately slow. I won't, don't even want to say slow. It takes its time. And maybe we've all become a little too impatient. But I will say the violence in this book, it's... If you've ever watched like a Korean vengeance film and thought, that's not so bad. Okay. that this, this series is for you because it is a good series, but it, it, it gets rough. It gets grisly. It gets like ultra violence, especially like some horrible things happen to women in this series. But all that to say Xavier finishes strong. And as I was putting that name on the list, like it pinged in my head. I was like, Oh, Andrew will just love the irony of this. <laughs> <laughs> favorite characters named Xavier it's not him but uh I got to the end of the series and I was like I would love a whole book with this person like to be a follow-on series could be immediately could be in between stuff we didn't see loved them Hmm. they had a great finish
0: I can attest it's a very good book
1: and another image title
0: another image title exactly my pick actually goes to DC and it goes back to a title that's uh I've already brought up a couple of times that is the Nightwing series. A new character that surprisingly when I heard that this character was debuting, I thought in my head this character is going to suck. But then I just finished the issue in Nightwing 98 and went this character is pretty fun and that is Nightmite. Ooh. Now, you of course, longtime readers of DC Comics know about Batmite. A magical imp that fucks with Batman. Why? Because he loves to fuck with Batman. And then, of course, in Superman, a man who has trouble with magic, there's Mr. Mixpitalik, also an imp who likes to fuck with Superman. Nightmite shows up. Guess what? He don't want to fuck with Nightwing. Nightwing is his favorite person. That's why he's be- became Nightmite. He, he likes w- big butts and can cannot fly. <laughs> The thing I really disagreed with Nightwing is that he told Barbara Gordon that he ships Nightwing with Starfire. And I'm like, no, oh, man, Barbara Gordon, that's, that's the girl. But the whole reason why he shows up, he reveals to Nightwing that, Hey, you know, your arch enemy blockbuster, he just had the major tussle with and everything like that. Well, a long time ago, he promised the Lord of Hell, Neuron, His daughter's soul. So now there's a bunch of demons coming for his daughter. We should stop that. And Nightwing, of course, goes, yes, we should. And so they go and they save the little girl. And it was a lot of fun. And it's like, again, the imps in DC usually suck ass. So I was just so taken aback that Nightmite was actually a lot of fun. Here's to you, Nightmite. That's fantastic.
1: You went in a hater and you came out a lover. That's Big. good.
0: Go. That's beautiful. <laughs> now it comes down to the biggest gun on this episode, of course. As I said, to find out our picks for best comic, best writer, and best artist, be sure to listen to Geek Hard on Friday, January sixth at seven p.m. Eastern on Reality Radio one hundred and one dot com to hear those picks. But right now, we're gonna give our pick for publisher of the year. And I have a good feeling that we have the same publisher. Here's the thing. Image.
1: Image. Image, you're doing too much. All you had to do was restart saga, which you did. And we didn't even talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and you still probably would have got it, but you did all of this. Yeah, You did everything you do in too much. And I love it for you.
0: There we go. Yeah. No image. Had some great yeah. titles coming out this year. Of course, long mainstays, like you mentioned, the return of Saga. And then also the return of that Texas blood. That was great. You got Newburn. You got 8 billion genies. You got a Righteous Thirst for Vengeance. You got the silver coins still going. And there's a bunch of other ones that you mentioned as well. Yeah, I went issues deep on images this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. there was so, a amen- lot.
1: There was a lot.
0: Images given variety, images given a lot of amazing creators a chance. And of course, it has to do with their publishing structure. So many great creators there. Definitely worth checking out. And they didn't blow their whole load this
1: year. Like uh, there's already one that there's only a couple issues out, two graves that may make it on my list for next year. Like they just keep coming. It's very exciting.
0: Yeah. Exciting There you go. Petula likes it when they just keep coming. So there you go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that brings us to the end of this episode of Back Issue Bloodbath and this year of Back Issue Bloodbath. We'll be back next year. That's next week, people, with our first episode. We got some great comic stories coming your way, and we got some great chats coming your way, and 2023 is going to be a lot of fun. You excited comic-wise? Sure. There we yeah. go.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, listener, I love sitting at home uh, under pile of blankets with a pile of comic books or my devices digital to read comics. <laughs> so, you know, either way, I'll be having a good time here by myself in 2023. And I hope there. to share some of my better times with you.
0: There we go. So we've come to the end of this week's episode of Back to Your Bloodbath. But to the work and people find you
1: at inatiff.com on Twitter. And Hive when it comes back up at o b e s a c a n t a v i t And here with you.
0: Of course, you can find everything I do over at geekardshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at geekcard. Follow me on Instagram at Andrew underscore of underscore geek underscore hard. Uh, of course, you can follow this very show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath. Of course, we post a new episode there every week. But the easiest way to make sure you don't miss an episode is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. And so while you're there, leave a five-star rating and review because it helps with the analytics and the more people that know. That's great because we love the audience we have, but we'd love it if your friends came along for the ride too. This has been Back Issue Bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Patil Have yourself a good.